Hey guys, Dustin Bones here, and today we're going to be celebrating the 13th anniversary of Guns N' Roses' Chinese Democracy with a very special collection that we've put together here of all of the first four Chinese Democracy songs that we reviewed on Guns N' Radio. Starting all the way back in episode two. Yeah, it didn't take long for the wheel to start spitting out some Chai Dem songs for us. But we hope you enjoy this collection and celebrating the release of uh, one of my personal favorite records. So with that, let's go ahead and hit play on this very special Chinese Democracy Collection edition of the Guns and Radio podcast. Who do you think that is? Oh fuck, I don't know. It's probably it sounds like Robin Fink, maybe. Robin Fink. I think it's definitely Robin Fink because he was on the track. Because uh, we talked about this uh, before we actually started recording briefly. Uh, I checked out, and you've got the booklet, right? Yeah, so I got the book with all the credits and everything. So who all do you show as listed uh, as credits for guitar alone? So guitars, it says Buckethead, Robin Fink, Paul Tobias, Richard Fortas, and Ron Bumblefoot Thaw. Five people are credited in this Five layers of fucking, fucking guitar. <laughs> And they can't all be playing at once or it would sound like a big clusterfuck. So. Yeah, so they play like three notes each on this song. <laughs> Who played the next note better? Yeah, and then Buckethead uh, on the guitar solo. So they kept Buckethead solo on the track. Okay, so we do- What do you think uh, some of these lyrics are referencing? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like most of like this Chinese Democracy album was like a Stephanie Seymour album. There was yeah. a lot of stuff about Stephanie Seymour. Like there was a time it was like definitely about Stephanie Seymour. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. there's parts in this that lead me to believe it's either a message to the listener mm-hmm. about Guns N' Roses. Yeah. which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. And then there's parts of it that I feel like are talking about all the shit that's going on with the band and everything like that. But that could just be me projecting onto it. Yeah. I, yeah, that's what I feel like. It's just like, you know, Axel just like bending his shit, maybe about like past bandmates. Could be. Possibly. Yeah. So you said that you you heard this live, right? Yeah. Where where, where was you at when you heard it? Um, it then it was one of the, the head back-to-back Toronto shows, I think in like 2017. Yeah, it was 2017. They did two back-to-back. And like one of the, one night I was there, they played Prostitute. Nice. Nice. Did it sound better live than it did uh, as far as like the music goes? I mean, yeah. I'll uh, still I'll still take the studio version, but like it's still they still killed it live. It's still really good. I really expected a lot of these songs with the uh, complicated like digital sound that Buckethead brings to it. That mm-hmm. uh, even when he left and Bumblefoot was playing them live, he still retained that that kind of digital sound in the solos he played. Um, yeah. Uh, I expected a lot of those to get reworked into uh, more kind of classic rock sounding uh, solos mm-hmm. and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of them, some of them kind of did, but uh, for the most part, uh, I, I, I think they were pretty well retained what they did retain. Yeah, I would agree with that. Did we say that's Dizzy on piano right there, or is that Axel on piano? Or maybe um, both? No. Axel's credited as piano, I believe. Okay. So Axel for piano, Dizzy Reed on keyboards. So then what the hell is he playing? <laughs> I don't know. Are they both the same? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Is he using a synthetic piano on top of a real piano? Let's listen a little Could bit. Be. Let's see if we can yeah. if we can hear. 
You think it could be the ambience, or is that more Pittman's kind of? Yeah, because, hang on, let me see. So, yeah, so we got, um, okay, synth orchestra, actually, is Dizzy Reed and Chris Pittman. So maybe there's, like, a synthesized orchestra part. So maybe one I guess of before the last, like, two minutes. And one of them doing, like, brass or some shit. Yeah, because I think, like, when it gets, like, the outro, that's, like, the real, or that's the real orchestra stuff where, like, uh, Beltramian and Buckmaster come in and do their thing. Well, you can still hear it, like, in mm-hmm. here. Like, it's definitely yeah. there. It's just, it's just buried. <laughs> like, yeah, because I feel like Chinese Democracy is, like, an amazing album, but it's just layers upon fucking layers upon more fucking layers of just, like, random instruments. <laughs> Maybe that's what makes it. I don't know. Yeah, man, it's the it's the Big Mac of music. <laughs> this is the special sauce, <laughs> or the seeds on the bun. I, I don't know. Depends on how it's you look at it. I guess the double patties in there, maybe. Those are the two guitar solos. <laughs> yeah, or that's like the seventeen guitars on this song. <laughs> that the seventeen guitars is the seasoning in the meat. Yeah. No. Okay. There'd be like the four or five producers this song went through. Because you know how from KFC like, uses 11 herbs and spices. Yeah. Well, God, Axl Rose used 12 producers for an album that took this long to fucking make. Because <laughs> they went from fucking Moby to uh, Youth. Moby and then, what, I, guess Sean... I did not know that. Moby. Yeah. Moby. Moby was there for like a few months. And I think he like said one thing to Axl like, Oh, you should just record this thing one shot and just fucking release it. And I think Axel got cheese and cut him off the project. Well, I mean, when was the last time Moby had a real hit? I mean, come on. Even his hits aren't that great. Yeah. I'm sorry, but Moby's I, interesting, but I'm not crazy for him. It's fucking weird, dude. <laughs> yeah. It would have been interesting though if we got like a Guns N' Roses album produced by fucking Moby. Dude. Yeah. You think they shit on it as is? Just, yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine the dump the GNR community would have taken on that record had it had yeah. as produced by Moby on the cover? Yeah, because Axel like was like in love with like some album he released at the time. It was very like rock based, and he's like, I want that sound on my thing. So he got Moby for a few months, and like Moby, I think Moby said that one thing, or he just was like, fuck this, nothing's gonna happen here. Yeah, yeah, which we'll dig into uh, our opinions on the releases or the delays, and I'm sure. Uh, and like the 74 on. producers. <laughs> Couldn't keep any fucking body. Actually, actually showed up two or three days through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I read at one time there was a guitar that cost them like, what was it like? Something like $500 a day. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is when uh, Zuta took over for those and like real shit they never haven't used since 99 <laughs> but they were paying rent on it yeah yeah he was saying there's something like oh why do you, you don't need a 59 a 1959 les paul that's like when they cut over 75 grand in rental fees who the fuck rent you've got you've got five guitars why do you rent these guys couldn't bring their own shit man oh man this is the era of Axl Rose being surrounded by just fucking corporate yes-men. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And then they fucked him over five years later. Yeah. Now that part is sad. Yeah. The, the ending of the story of Chinese democracy is not a happy one, I don't think. I think the only reason why it got, got released was because of the, uh, the anti-quiet leaks. Or else it would still be out and never out. You think they would still be working on the shit if Axel was left to his own devices? Yeah, we put about we would have got like a triple album. Uh, that'd have been a good retirement present for us when we're sixty five. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this this band we used to listen to, Axel would be like a hundred. His grandkids are working on this album, and you'll still more and more like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Cold blooded. <laughs> I try to tell myself it doesn't happen. I try to forget yeah. about it. It's here and there now. That's it. It's like it comes and goes. It comes and goes. I don't understand it because he doesn't do that with ACDC. I don't know. Like, yeah, because like the rasp and all that shit comes back when he's doing that whole 
Axel DC whatever thing. And I was like, oh. Whatever you were doing there, do that. Yeah. The paint that you were using to paint somebody else's house, let's use that at home. Yeah. I think he needs to get his ass back on Dave Grohl's throne because he sounded amazing when he was injured and on his ass. You know, there's that there's that one show where he got pissed off in um, Scotland, I think. Maybe Ireland. Somewhere in Europe. Yeah, it was definitely one of those. And uh, somebody was throwing shit on the stage, and he stopped during the song. And uh, he said, uh, you know, if you throw shit again, I'm going home. And then they started up again, and then uh, somebody threw shit again, and he said... All right, I'm out. Good night, everybody. And then he left. Oh, this was like old Axel, I think. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, this was like uh, this was New Guns lineup. I think Bumble. Yeah, mm. Bumble was playing that night. And oh yeah, it was probably 2011 then or something. Somewhere around that time, and then uh, or maybe 2010. So he leaves and uh, stays off stage for about an hour and a half. And uh, a lot of people at the concert left. And then uh, he came back on stage and delivered one of the greatest sounding Axel performances I've heard. I really wish we had uh, professional recorded, even soundboard mixes of this show to to listen to. Because it... if it hasn't got YouTube Rangered yet, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a it's a damn good listen. Glaslow, it was in Glaslow. Yeah. Was it was take their fucking time, like coming on the stage or whatever. But like they would kill it every time. Like it was insane. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Now, see, when I said there were some messages I felt like to the audience, I think this is where I'm projecting that in. The whole don't ask me to enjoy them just for you, but ask yourself what I would do to prostitute myself. Oh, definitely sending shots somewhere. Yeah. I feel like that was for all of the people like uh, the the get the guy out of there guy in Rock and Rio Mm -hmm. with the slash shirt. Oh, that's fucking funny. Because you know that that someday if we go live and we start letting callers in, I want that sound effect for when we kick somebody out. Yeah. Hey, get that guy, Mr. Security Man. Get his shirt. I want his fucking shirt. <laughs> and oh, you know like, you gangster oh. when you kick somebody out of your show and take their shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Give me them shoes while you're at it. Fuck it. Yeah, that'll be like if we ever get like uh if we ever start to do live tours and stuff like uh like other podcasts. <laughs> that'll be our kick you out. Get his shoes. <laughs> Give me those shoes. <laughs> we wouldn't kick you guys out. We love you. No. Unless you're wearing really nice shoes. I'm taking them. <laughs> you better not wear them Jays to our show. <laughs> I think it's all piano from here on out, isn't it? Yeah, it's just the outro. I don't think we got much of that in the in the other one because I didn't leave it. Now, in real life, when they're playing this live, this is definitely Dizzy Reed. Oh yeah, I think when they do it on the non this lifetime, though, they, they cut it out a bit. They just give him like a little quick piano spot, and that's it. Huh? Yeah. Because this outro is still it's like, fucking beautiful. It is, but it's got like a minute left. <laughs> like yeah, because the drums fade out, and then it's just the orchestra. It's the end of the album, though. We're rolling yeah. the credits on Chinese Democracy. What a hell of a ride! All right, guys, moving right along. You know, we said it didn't take long for the wheel to start sh- <laughs> sending us to Chinese Democracy. And that, that couldn't be more true, because in the very next episode, episode three, we review Sorry. 
You remember when everybody was talking about that online, how he says, I don't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way he just, I lived that line in. It was fucking cool. Yeah. And then uh, I think it was, I think it was my GNR forum where, uh, was it part of the Axel chat where somebody asked him about it and he was just like, because I like saying it like that. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it was after the album dropped. Yeah. It was either on there or on a uh, Gone to Hell. One of the two. One of those. There's no Axel replied to it. Yeah. And I thought that was cool. And here in a minute, we're going to start hearing some Sebastian Bach. Is Sebastian Bach credited? You've got the booklet. I do not. Is Sebastian Bach credited in the booklet? Background vocals, Sebastian Bach. Yeah, he's credited. But the way the mix is, it's like just you, can't. you have 17 like guitar layers on there. I think it just rounds his voice out. Has he ever performed this song on stage with GNR? The the you know I don't the one think that so. Fucking in <laughs> that would have been smart to do, but I don't think they ever have. To be honest, I guess he doesn't want to show up and come on the stage and just go do. <laughs> I don't know though. I'd respect that. Like yeah, Sebastian Bach. What's up, everybody? Because he always comes up with so much energy. Let's rock and roll! <laughs> and then you hear that... <laughs> I'm sorry for you. <laughs> and then he just has to put the brakes on it and bring it right back down. <laughs> God. If I had that much fucking energy, like I'd be off the walls. I want whatever he's fucking smoking. Because I want to be like that 24-7. I think he's probably just like that. Could be too, yeah. Even like in interviews and stuff. He's very eccentric in that way. Oh, yeah. I, I would love to have that energy. Shit, I'd love to have that energy, not even be a rock star, and then just go to work and do the shit I normally do. That'd yeah. Because <laughs> like a lot of these songs on this album, are, I think, are just about the whole history of the entire fucking album. So this is probably something to do with that sort of ideal. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm in a similar boat. Like, I think there's probably parts of it that are like... Uh, like uh, the hell with the pressure, I'm not caving in. Like I'm not going to do what the hell you tell me to do. Uh, yeah. And it can mean a multitude of things, but that's the beauty of it is he leaves room for mm. the interpreter or the listener to interpret. Pretty much. And there's even one line later on that's like, people are like, oh, no, that's totally about Slash, bro. I'm like, maybe, but who knows? Are you talking about the kick your ass? No, uh, when he goes, so shut up and sing or whatever. Oh, okay. The Slash doesn't sing. Yeah, it was probably Slash saying to Axel, just shut up and fucking sing the song. Ah. Wouldn't it be yeah. some shit if they uh, reworked it for the live, uh, not in this lifetime tour, and then Slash actually sang that part? <laughs> Slash singing? That would be a sight to see. He sings Buick, uh, was it Buick McCain? Yeah, he probably has, like backing vocals, but like... Oh, uh, no, he eh. leads, I think he leads Buick McCain, doesn't he? Really? I don't know. I've, I've never, like, seen that. I will say I think that part's probably about the fans at the time, like the guy with the shirt in Rio. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Security Man. <laughs> Get that guy out of there. <laughs> I, I can't help it, man. I marked out when I saw that. or uh, I, I, I fanboyed out when I saw that the, uh, uh, the first time. I thought that was really, really funny because I was yeah. like, aha, there he is. There's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's the guy we all know and love. Oh my god, it's hilarious, but like you just ruined the best part of fucking It's So Easy just to get a guy with a slash shirt out of there. Now every time I hear It's So Easy and it gets to see me hit you, you'll fall down. In my head, I keep expecting to hear, get that guy out of here. Hey, get that guy <laughs> out <laughs> I don't know why you want the shirt though uh, I think we do I think we covered that in the last episode man he started a wardrobe oh that's true wasn't yeah. even a wasn't slash a shirt it was just yeah. he liked the shirt yeah no but if it actually was a slash shirt if I was like fuel the fire I guess 
Guitar Axel, I'd be like, give me that shirt. I'm gonna fucking burn it on stage because fucking we're in Brazil. <laughs> you know, you know that uh, that just another fucker in a band shirt that he was wearing oh, yeah. in 2010. That's what <laughs> it was. It was that shirt. <laughs> Everything comes full circle, brother. Uh, last week on the show, we talked about there were like 900 guitars. Yeah. <laughs> On prostitute. This time we're down to to three. three. Yeah. And uh, do we know who's playing that part, or is or is it kind of a Frankenstein together mixture of uh, a couple of different people? Okay, so from the booklet it says so on guitars you have Buckethead, Robin Fink, and uh, Bumblefoot. Robin Fink on acoustic guitar, and the solo is Buckethead. Okay. I was thinking it was Buckethead, to be honest with you, but it doesn't sound like his. What I when I when I think of Buckethead, the style and the sound that he plays, it doesn't sound like his typical uh, mo to me. Oh, he is credited as one of the writers on the song too. Oh, okay. Yeah, like so I'm sorry. Yeah. Personnel, but I don't have all of the mm. the writers and things on it. Um, yeah, we so do just have one du- one drummer though. We're down to one drummer. Did, did oh. Frank actually play yeah. anything uh, on this album? Yeah, said, um, a few things, but they kept a lot of like the brain drums in there. Yeah, not hating on Frank, they were probably better. <laughs> yeah, they kept a lot of brains drums in here. A lot of them, like ninety percent of them, or even almost all of them, I think. Well, that's really good. You think anybody has? Uh, do you think they get royalties from this? Yeah, probably like point zero 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 one of a cent. That's got to suck being like, you know, you were you were joining Guns N' Roses and then you get on Chinese Democracy and the only album you get royalties from is the one they don't play on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> what a pain in the ass that's got to be. Is what it is, brother. That's the music industry. But actually, well, maybe now so more they probably get a little more because um, ever since they started playing these like Chinese songs on the Non This Lifetime tour, the streams like tripled or like quadrupled, I think. So, well, yeah, may like help on with Spotify something. and shit, but like radio stations mm-hmm. still aren't playing them. No, radio stations all from GNR only play what? Welcome to the Jungle, Sweet Child Mine, Paradise City, um, November Rain, and I think that's probably about it. They only play like four or five songs. Yeah. Just play the hits. That's it. Sad times in the kingdom. Damn right. You should write your local radio station people. Mm-hmm. Tell them to start playing some goddamn B-sides from not only this band, from other bands too. You think the people, when they finally got this album, were happy to hear a song that they hadn't heard yet by this point? Yeah, because I think it was, was it like 9 out of the 13 or 14 songs we've already heard like were leaked or whatever in some form. What songs were leaked? Because I don't know. I know Chad M. Um, that, um, I don't, well, Shackler's was, a, well, no, that was, yeah, a bit before because on Rock Band. Uh, um, there was a time. St- st- yeah, there was time. Street of Dreams, one was called The Blues. Um, IRS. Well, that Street of Dreams isn't really a leak because yeah. they played that live. So they'd already. That too. Yeah, Riyadh. Riyadh leaked? Um, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't Pretty mean. sure. Yeah. That's personally, I think... Mm, it's hard to pick a favorite song on Chai Dem, But of the uh, upbeat kind of uh, side G style songs, mm-hmm. um, I think Riyadh's probably my favorite. Yeah. Either that or better, I mean... I mean, well, you can't really... I mean, Better's a classic. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's, it, it's... If they released another Greatest Hits record, Better would be on it regardless. That and Chinese Democracy, I think, for sure. And I even put There Was a Time, because that's such a fucking underrated Junior song. It really is. And you've got to be... It sucks that you got to be a diehard fan to know that that's such a good song. Oh, such a good tune. I'd give it like a three, three out of five. It's very like, it's, it's slow pace. It's very like, 
as Sebastian Bach once described it, it was like doom metal, and it's kind of like vicious in that way. I like it, but it's not one of the. Well, it's not like a top five of Chinese democracy. It's definitely a good track. It's not one I would skip, but it's definitely a good one. Yeah, I feel like this is. Uh, I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit uh, more critical of it. It's definitely not my favorite. I'm going to give it a two. Because right. uh, it's. It's not one. I, I I would skip it long before I I would skip it or scrape long before I would like if the world or uh, um, Riyadh or Shackler's Revenge or something else. There's definitely mm-hmm. better shit on Chidem to listen to. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't put it in the top. Maybe I wouldn't even put it in the top twenty. GNR mm-hmm. songs. Yeah, it's more on the lower end, I would say. Now, it took a few weeks for us to make our way over to Street of Dreams, but we would eventually. And we had a review for that as well. So let's take a listen to that right now. Crank this up, and we're going to play the Rio version. The second time it was ever played live. Well, it was the first time we all got to hear it. Yeah. Ironically, it was called The Blues and it was premiered at the House of Blues. Man, if you get to wa- if you're watching along uh, on uh, video streaming services, uh, YouTube. <laughs> look how uh, young Tommy Stinson looks. Look how young everyone looks. Well, to me, like. Uh, oh, oh! Look, Axel's getting pissed. Oh, oh, his shit ain't working, so he's getting the, yeah. the tech to help him. Mm. This might have been at the end of the douchebag days. Uh, they'll still continue on until like 2016. <laughs> I mean, I always for getting pissed. You've got all these people looking at you, and your shit ain't working right, and it's your job Dude, this, to make sure yeah. it is. The second show with like new Jinnar and they're playing apparently it was like two hundred thousand plus here in Brazil, which is fucking insane. Yeah, I can't blame him for being pissed though. Like, yeah, he's the one that's gonna get hit in the face with a beer bottle. Yeah, this was also the uh, the show of Mister Security Man. Yes, this is it. Yes, <laughs> legendary. We should cover this whole show as like a bonus episode. I'd love to do that. Yeah, that would be a good episode. Do like a watch good thing for, Yeah, or just like talk about the specifics of the show and shit. I have no idea what he said okay, never mind about just there. Oh, probably to some tech or something. Yeah. Or maybe the band fucked up. Who knows? Man, Robin looks so weird. I'm glad yeah, he's there's like, like this. proper human now. And then he looked like Jesus in 2006. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Did you have like a... <laughs> A fucking hair transplant? Went from Marilyn Manson to Jesus. Yeah, holy shit. Like Hollywood Jesus. <laughs> Hollywood Jesus. Is that like Hollywood <laughs> Hogan? <laughs> yeah, no, there's actually like a legit Hollywood Jesus. Like some dude who dressed up as Jesus somewhere in Hollywood. And he, I was going to say, if you read far enough into the Bible, Jesus actually has a heel turn. <laughs> and starts calling he was the third man. <laughs> Hollywood Jesus. And starts wearing sunshades. Yeah. I don't know, man. And he comes out to Zodiac as his entrance music. I gave up on that book a little too soon. I should have kept on reading, it sounds like. Oh, God. Well, this episode's getting demonetized. There we go. We can add some gospel songs to the list of songs that you know, can randomly shit. sing. They just gospel covers of Guns like, and Rock of Ages or some shit for no reason. <laughs> Not the Def Leppard version, the one they play at church. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like you know how Travis Trent went religious, or was it Travis Trent that went religious halfway through his career? I think that, I don't know. If that had been Axl Rose, how horrible Chinese <laughs> democracy would have been. He would have been born again. 
I got to be honest with you, I don't remember this version being as bad as it is. Yeah, it, there's better ones. Like um, the House of Blues one is really good. Um, there's a few from O2 that are really fucking good in this song. I am noticing the background video that's playing on the stage. Uh, they've sure gotten better these days than they were back then. Yeah. I mean, it was cool that there was something new at that time. So, you know, yeah. I guess I could forgive it a lot more. Yeah. Very little, but we got, there was like a handful of songs. Yeah. Kind of like it is now. Well, we got yeah. Perhaps. We got the Mac Daddy song. We got... Uh, <laughs> Hard school finally, Atlas. Yeah. Oh man, I have so much I want to say about all those songs. I will say the orchestras are uh, really good in this song, but yeah, I'm confused because uh... if you look at the credits, uh, it's got. I'm gonna crank this down for just a second. That's got a synth orchestra and then a real orchestra. Mm-hmm. Who does yeah. both? Why do you, why yeah. I don't understand why you need both. But uh anyway they do. Uh let's yeah. look at the credits. Axel Rose on vocals, uh mm-hmm. Buckethead and Robin Fink on lead guitar, uh Paul Fortis and Bumble on rhythm, Tommy on bass and backing vocals, Brain on drums. Mm-hmm. Dizzy Reed on piano, keyboard, backing vocals, and synth orchestra, and Mother Goose Pittman on synth, sub bass, programming keyboard, synth orchestra, and towel. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what did you just all oh, fuck? <laughs> it says that right there, yeah. Yeah. And then listen, if you listen right here, you can hear the towel real good. Yeah. <laughs> you hear like a wisp in the wind. Yeah, that's the towel. <laughs> Speaking I'm glad of Chris he's Pittman, doing something else. Yeah. He's apparently rehearsing with Tool. Apparently, I saw like I saw like he posted some shit on his Instagram with Tool. Good. I'm happy for him. I don't. So that's pretty cool. I like Pittman. Like, no, nah, I don't <laughs> know about like what he did musically. He's just always been really nice to me. Like, yeah. To me, when we went to that uh, that after show in uh, Vegas, and he came up, he was drunk, and he <laughs> came up and he hugged me, and he like I didn't have a name tag on, I didn't have no, but he knew who I was. Like he called me by my name and like hugged me and was drunk as fuck. And uh, to me, that was one of the coolest parts. Is that like without any kind of prompting, he just knew my name. Hmm. Because for a while there, I didn't really believe it was actually him I was talking to. Yeah. Which probably helped uh, loosen my tongue on some of the things I said to him. Because I thought it was... uh, Well, since we've already said his name once, I thought it was Rick fucking with me. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, man. I love this song, I will say. Oh, I love it. So good. Lyrically, it is a masterpiece. It's strong. It's like November Rain, but in half the time. No doubt. That's what I feel like. I love that shit. Oh, it's it's great. Oh man, it's kind of a hateful song if you really think about it. But it's a very mm. passionate, emotional song. Yeah. Like, if this song doesn't give you the feels, you just don't have a soul. That's just all there is to it. Oh, it's giving me the feels over the last 10 plus years I've listened to this, so. 
definitely. All right, guys, our final song of the night that we're going to check out is from episode 14. And we're going to be checking out Catcher in the Rye. We really hope you've enjoyed this look back through Guns and Radio history as we check out some of the songs we've reviewed from Chinese Democracy. I know that definitely of all the GNR albums out there, this is the one that we have really... Uh, the wheel has really been given us the most, so we had a lot of content here. After this, we'll sign off, but guys, thank you for joining us this week, and we'll be back as soon as possible with a brand new episode. I'm Dustin Bones. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Guns and Radio, uh, at Guns and Radio Pod. Uh, all of our information, including our archive of episodes, can be found over at gunsandradio.com. Plus, we have tons of original content that you can check out there, including uh, the couple of videos I did with CC as a vlog, uh, Riots in Riverport, and uh, GN Extra, uh, as well as uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the misadventures of Rick Dunsford and friends. But anyway, guys, we're going to play you Catcher in the Rye, and then after that... Uh, that'll be the end of the show, guys. So thank you for listening again. We really appreciate your support. And one more time, we'll be back as soon as possible. I fucking love this intro. It is a good song. There's there's really great parts to this song. Oh, yeah. I agree. I know, right? Like, how many other people could pull that off? Yeah. Pretty impressive. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> when all is said and done, we're not the only ones who look at life this way. That's what the uh, the old folks say or the young folks. I can always get those two parts mixed up. I, thought, I always thought it was old folks. It's at the front. I believe does, so, yeah. I think at the end it does. That's what the young folks say. I think oh, it's old okay. folks. It changes like in the... I just get those two mixed up, um, even though I just heard it. I'm going by memory. <laughs> Every time I see them, it makes me wish I had a gun, and if I thought that... I, it's about the Joker, man. Oh, there you go. It's about the new Joker movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. written... So this is what that movie ago. was inspired by. <laughs> I know, right? Well, this... When was Heath Ledger coming out as the Joker? Was that about 11 years ago? Can we... Can, oh, we, eight, really, oh, nine? can we stretch that that far? Maybe Axel wrote this song to try to get a part as the Joker instead Ooh. of Heath Ledger. Nah, he's going to make a cameo, if anything. He's not going to put in that much fucking work. <laughs> yeah, he never yeah. wants to. He'll show up late. <laughs> I think the only time he's ever, the only thing he's ever been on time for was that fucking Budweiser commercial a couple of years ago. Where he just lifts oh, the bottle? Oh. Come on. That's not barely a commercial. Yeah, There's $100,000 just to do this. <laughs> I feel like I saw like a stick propping his hand up, too. <laughs> like someone was under him. He didn't even want this to do that. Assistant, lift me. <laughs> lift the fat off my arms. Yeah, if oh. you uh, if you uh, look, those people in front of him are actually chroma keyed to disguise Fernando, who's pushing it up there. Fermentu <laughs> <laughs> Axel, that was an interesting time. Yeah. It was an interesting time, but like I said, man, like even though I was, I was like, oh, dude, shave that shit off in my head. It's like I used to justify listening to Marilyn Manson to people in the South when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck what he looks like, dude. That's not why I can't see him on the CD. And then it's yeah. like, I don't give a fuck what he does in real life. We don't hang out, you know. <laughs> Let's watch the music videos then. Story. I mean, you could always just listen to the song. Yeah, no, that's not enough for some people. 
Oh, okay, it's about that book that only the cool teacher made you read back in the day. <laughs> I never had to read that. I don't think I never had to read it. I don't think we had to. I think it was actually still banned when I was in school. Wait, it was actually wait, I didn't know this. It was banned? What? Yeah. Am I just being am I just being stupid right now? I had no idea. No, it like made kids think for themselves or some shit and they didn't like <laughs> that. I don't Oh my god, I literally had no idea that happened. Because, like, I even, like, in my research for this, like, even says, like, it's very, like, the song was inspired by Katrin Rye and Bo. So I looked up here, like, like Axel appears to be questioning why, you know, angst-ridden youths, especially, like, you know, like, Holden Caulfield and the Katrin Rye, they were motivated, you know, they were motivated by this book. Like, uh, and it mentions the example of Mark David Chapman, the guy who killed John Lennon. Okay. Well, that's coming up later. Um, yeah. Dude, I'm going to say this. I've read the book. This song got me to read the book. Oh, and wow. Oh, that's good reverse. So I've, I've read the book as an adult, and I do see the references in it, but fucking holding whatever his name is, Caulfield, is a fucking little shit. And I'm getting, the longer I get through this book, the more I just want to jerk this kid up by the neck and just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's a little fucking shit. He doesn't pay attention. Like to anything, he's a little dumbass. He doesn't go to school. He's like wasting his parents' money, and this is a good reason to never have kids, man. Because I get that all teenagers <laughs> are like that. Man, I really don't want one of those living in my house. Man, now it makes sense why I was banned. Okay, I gotta pause again. I gotta pause again. That piano section right there, is that Dizzy or Axel? Piano Axel Rose. That yeah, Dizzy's is... on there. So if somebody played a keyboard and a piano, it would bear for me, like I'm not in tune musically with my ears, like I wouldn't know the difference, so I wouldn't be able to be like, Oh, that's definitely Dizzy or oh that's definitely Axel on a piano. I wish I knew, so it's good to know that that's Axel doing that. Yeah. That is a beautiful incredible piano uh what do you call it interlude or section yeah like bridge yeah, bridge. yeah when there. he lets his piano freak fly free flag fly it's like amazing when he like does his stuff like people don't give him enough credit nowadays you know because oh, yeah. remember rain obviously estranged estranged like yeah the piano and like oh my god street of dreams yeah shit is fucking beautiful i remember i had a boss uh that only listened to classical music and uh, he used to give me shit about rock and roll and all that that noise as he called any music it's just a bunch of noise so one day i had put together i got on youtube long before but yeah before the ranger came along I compiled a uh about three to five songs uh of just axel uh, playing piano oh. on some of his old piano solos and I showed him that and he really enjoyed that and I was like yeah you've just enjoyed the music of Axel fucking Rose did, he, did, did his head explode? schooled motherfucker he was like <laughs> okay I'll give you that he sure can play <laughs> piano which coming from him that's pretty big praise that's awesome That's true. we're building up to my favorite part of the song at least when I'm live mm-hmm. This Something. right here yeah. is my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of all Chinese democracy. This, like, part here. Oh, yeah.
I do got to say, uh, first off, keep that guitar solo in mind, ladies and gentlemen, because here in a little bit we're going to play Slash's version of that interlude. Uh, oh, nice. After, after we get through the rest of the song. And this will uh, be a first because it's going to be Slash versus Bumblefoot. Okay, yeah, hmm. I didn't think of that. But that's a good. Yeah, we always had Buckethead versus Slash, but Buckethead's not even on this track, surprisingly. Huh. But, one of like two, I think, on the whole album. Yeah. So this, uh, what's the other one? Um, let me check right now. I was just looking at it here. Hang on. Um, doing, I'm gonna get this thought out. When you're when the first time I went to, I think it was Vegas. I got to before they ever uh, played this live. And then they've got the you know the Ferris wheel and everything going on because of the book catcher. Yeah, I remember that. This I love. That's the one that there's no buckethead on. Oh huh. yeah, you're right. Because I was all wrong to think. I'm pretty sure. I did not know that. Man, one of my favorite memories. Not even of just going to see Guns N' Roses, but just in my life. Period. One of the moments that if I could, at least one of the top ten moments that if I could rewind my life and put myself somewhere again for like three minutes, I would definitely put myself in Las Vegas, Nevada, 2011, being in the middle of a huge crowd of people while that uh, song is playing and everybody is in unison with their arms in the air going, na, 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 Oh, that's amazing. Beautiful. He must have probably loved it too. Axel probably probably looked down and just saw like this wave of people. How could you not, man? Like this is a master yeah. fucking piece. I don't even give a fuck what people say. Some people shit on this song. I'm not gonna know. lie, it's not my favorite off Chinese Democracy. I it is a really good song, which is weird because I'm like it's an amazing put together song. Like the lyrics are great. It has like that like little slow part where there's no singing. Just like mm. the calm one before the drums kick in, that's one of my favorite parts of the whole album. It's oh, like yeah. tranquility. I love it. it. It it definitely they do a lot musically, not just vocally, but like musically to invoke emotion. Yes, yes, I agree. Here's where we start to kind of repeat things a little bit from uh, the first verse. I got to admit something. Yeah. What's he say right there after the young folks? Uh, that's what the young folks say. Because I never did. I never have caught that lyric, and I've never looked it up. As if they'd ever change it. Yeah. yeah. Wait, what was it? Because you guys kind of glitched out on my Skype. As if they'd ever change, as that were mine to say. I've always kind of been curious about that because I've never caught that. Sorry, it wasn't that you guys were talking at the same time. It was that my my Skype sometimes goes like, and, and oh. <laughs> it just happened to do it right then. Like the universe was intervening and ha- having me never learn that lyric because I'm too lazy to look <laughs> it up for myself. You shall not know. Look it up for yourself, said the god of the internet. You lazy fuck. <laughs> you are a lazy bastard. <laughs> I have given you universes of information. Mm-hmm. Generations upon generations would have killed to have had access to the information at your fingertips. And you can't be bothered to put down your Doritos for two seconds. <laughs> we really are and an ungrateful cool bunch of fucks, aren't we? Cool ranch dressing. <laughs> we haven't got to pretty tied up yet. No. It's coming, it's coming. Soon, soon. My girlfriend's pretty tied up. (laughs) Way to sneak that in. She listens to this, so I'm going to hear about that.
I'm impressed with how they can take no lyrics whatsoever and just a na 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 na, and then actually turn it into something very listenable. Like if this song were two minutes long and it was ninety percent na 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 in that kind of style, <laughs> I could probably listen to that. No, I agree. He does it very melodically, where it blends with everything, and everything is kind of following its lead. Like he, his voice is la 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 is like the ringleader. And everything else is kind of flowing it behind him, like marching behind him. Is he yeah. doing the vocals or the backing vocals himself too, or is that like Tommy and Bumble again? Um, I'd have to hear it again, but I feel like every time he just does the backing vocals himself. I just feel yeah, like that's yeah. him. Um, sorry, I'm looking at the my booklet. Here. Like as he a is, yeah. as a perfectionist, I feel like it's him. It is, yeah. In the booklet, it says background vocals. Uh, sorry, background vocals, Axl Rose. All right. Yeah. Well, good on him. He's a vocal god. I agree, man. Like, oh, oh hell yeah. I mean, he's a, a master of the craft. I mean, yeah, he can't do it so much that well anymore. But I mean, he, he fucking could. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot longer than I ever could. Chris, you said that this is the uh, the part that's about the JFK assassination, or not JFK, but John Lennon. Yeah, this part especially. Yeah, because like Axel was very inspired by like uh, what they would consider Holden Caulfield syndrome. Yeah, and like that was a Mark David Chapman, I guess, was diagnosed with, or that's for the whole start of it, I guess. All of these crazy people killing their idols. Which brings it back to like the 90s when he used to wear the Kill Your Idol shirt with Jesus on it. Oh, and the Charles Manson shirt? Oh, was it Charles Manson or Jesus? No, that one was with Jesus. I think it was Manson, right? No, that one was with Jesus. The Kill Your Idol was when you had the picture with Jesus oh, on there. Oh, okay. So I was talking about the, the Charles Manson shirts that were like around that time too, I think. Okay. Well, that's Catcher in the Rye, you guys. Uh, Beautiful show. Yeah, but that ending is so that ending is so beautiful. I'm gonna. I think it's the first time I ever said that about like on this podcast. But that ending part, like maybe the last thirty seconds, a minute, mm-hmm. when he starts with "Not an ordinary day" or something. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a great oh, man. It's just a good flow. It's just a perfect ending to a song. Mm-hmm. The whole song, uh, pretty much, is built up to that section. Because it feels like it just stacks, and, and but it's all like emotional Legos that are just blocks that are just stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking until they end in this moment of perfection. And then you da da na 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 na, and the piano takes it, and uh, you get to go home there on that smooth and easy ride. It's just, just perfect, man. And the end, the end is like basically him talking about, I mean, I think Chris was saying how the song is about people relating to Holden Caulfield, but also like why people relate to him. And I think the end chunk is people relating to him, but also like the, the impact people had when somebody used this relation to take someone away from this planet. Yeah. I kind of feel like the way it's always kind of made me feel uh now this i have nothing to confirm this on but i feel like you know he was talking about the holden caldwell or i can't remember his last name caulfield sorry holden caulfield (laughs) syndrome i feel like you know the song kind of lays that out in a way through it and kind of sets you up for what it is with Mm -hmm. axel going in at the tail end and basically explaining how it affects his life. That's kind yeah. of what it was It was given to me. Because didn't he kind of grow up in that era? Uh, yeah. When did Catcher in the Rye come out? Well, I'm talking about uh, the John Lennon assassin. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was. I guess he yeah, was like yeah, in the early sure. 20s when that happened. 
Yeah, and, like, he would have had went... to. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And at least been at a part, point in his life when that kind of shit would definitely influence you. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me talking out of my ass at this point, but it's just something that I thought of and got a feeling about. Who knows? Well, looking back, too, I'm, maybe I I don't really think about it because I don't really like dissect it that much or with other people because it's hard because nobody really wants to talk Guns and Roses with me, but it sounds like this is probably one of, at least in the last 20 years, and I know that's not saying much, but this might be one of his more and most personal songs in the last 20 years because it's like a really beautifully done song but it's about like this person that influenced him and people being influenced by somebody else a book and those two worlds colliding and not for the better so I just think it's really interesting that like this might be one of his first songs where he kind of writes about someone else uh, like that doesn't even know him kind of affecting his life usually it's about like Stephanie Seymour or like uh, frenemies or someone like a someone he used to know that fucked him over with money this time it's someone that didn't even know who he was that impacted him and he was so taken aback by people praising this sort of art in Catcher in the Rye and it like kind of taking a culture and morphing into Mark David Chapman the guy that killed Lennon and taking something away from not only Axel but from like you know society and music and you know a whole generation Oh yeah, and you can hear that this song definitely means a lot to him from the delivery of the lyrics throughout the song. Because yeah. you don't get that kind of emotion. Listen to music today; it can be like the saddest love song ever, and it comes up on the radio today that somebody else has written, and you just don't <laughs> yeah. get that kind of raw emotion that you can kind of you can feel when that's real, and that shit is fucking real in this song. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. 